Are you ready to challenge the rhetoric? Today is Wednesday, July 6th. My name is Sherry Roberts, and I'm your host. I'm challenging the rhetoric. Welcome to the show. I hope everybody had a great 4th of July weekend. So social media has been around much longer than the Internet, but most people think of it in relation to online platforms. The truth is, from the very first letter ever mailed to the event, to the invent of the telephone and its evolution to accommodate three-party calls, I don't know if you're old enough like me to remember those, and later the party line when they first started, we have all, in one way or another, participated in social media our whole lives. And then as the modern world was expanding with technology and computers became more affordable and mainstream and started to go into, you know, more and more households, we began using message boards and forums around 1994 and email by 1996. And then by 97, the world began learning what a blog was and that they too, anyone, could have a blog. And all of those things that were at that point online via email, obviously the forums and blogs, allowed readers or writers and senders to be able to engage with other people and creating an online community. Now, it really wasn't that long ago when that started, but we didn't have social media like we have today. Text messaging came next, and although text messaging had been invented and the very first text was sent via a computer using the Vodafone network, that was on December 3rd of 1992. If you can imagine sending texts, we didn't, none of us, you know, regular old people had any kind of ability like that. But um, by 97, however, Nokia came out with the first keyboard phone and you can do text messaging. And so if you had one of those Nokia phones and you had the true original smartphone of its day, and then six years later after that, six full years later after that, MySpace launched, and that was August 1, 2003, which was followed by Facebook rather quickly, rather quickly by February 4, 2004, which was followed a year later by YouTube when, it's, when it opened its virtual doors. And that opened, YouTube started February 2005. Now, the possibilities of social media, they began knocking on our imaginations, but most of us had no clue whatsoever what was to come. Nothing. We had no idea what was to come. But now think about this. Between text messaging and social media as we know it today, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, Pinterest, LinkedIn, all of it, from business to social networks, Here's a big difference. None of it was available on September 11, 2001. And there are a few people in this country who were not impacted on a really deeply emotional and ideological level as a result of those, those attacks that day. Regardless of what you believe happened that day, nearly everybody in this country and many people outside of this country were highly affected and impacted and are still to this day. I've said it before, I don't think that there's anybody that's a citizen that doesn't have some form of PTSD from what happened on 9-11. And because of technology, even though those like myself who didn't have a family member or somebody that was a survivor or killed, I was still impacted, my life was impacted, my livelihood was impacted, just like for all of you guys. So tonight, my guest, he's a YouTube broadcaster. You might know him, and if you do, he goes by Chaos View on YouTube. And he and I are going to be challenging how 9-11 and other things have created this monster uh, that social media has become before social media really ever had a chance to be anything else. Because truly, 9-11 is pivotal. That, that 9-11 happening in between 
those events of the explosion of technology and, and then and the in introduction of these social media platforms that we have now, what would social media be like with had those things not happened? That's part of what we're going to be discussing tonight. We're going to be taking this topic and discussing it from several different angles, from just the average person using social media to the media using social media to law enforcement using you know social media businesses, you name it. We're going to kind of, you know, for as much time as we have, tonight's a one-hour show. So, um, you know, we're going to dig into that. But before I bring on my guests and get going on everything, here's what you need to know so that you can engage with us during the live show. During each live broadcast, you can interact on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash challengingtherhetoric.news. And you can find me on Twitter at CTRnewsfeed. For tonight's show, we're using hashtag CTR as always, and then, of course, Oregon Standoff, because that's going to be relevant, too, in our talking points, as well as tech and social media. All the stories that I cover are available on the website, challengingtherhetoric.news, as well as at um, as well as the archive links for the show and a whole bunch of other stuff. You can chat with us in the chat room during the show if you'd like. Uh, if you want to interact with us or ask questions, the chat room can be found at blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging rhetoric with Sherry Roberts. So C H E R I. If you click on show number 35, that is this episode, the chat room should appear right beneath that slider. If you're already on the page, you don't see the chat room, hit refresh and scroll back down, it should be there. If you're placing comments on the front page of the show in the regular comment section, although I'm aware that they're there, you'll get no interaction from anybody there during the show. Um, if you are here to troll, there is, you know, you need to remember this is what I say every show. This is a dialogue, not a debate. There's not going to be any kind of personal attacks, aggression, or trolling that's going to be tolerated. I pay for my airtime, not you, and it's not here for you for that purpose. So uh, if that's what you begin doing in the chat room, uh, be be assured you will be bumped out. And if it becomes a problem, I have no problem, nor do my regular listeners if I shut down the chat. That being said, um, I appreciate many varying opinions, if you can have civil, uh, you know, civil conversations. If you have a question that I can answer or my guest can answer, uh, and it's an appropriate question and not a trolling question, please direct the questions to Sue Shugarts. She's the chat room moderator for tonight's show. And... Um, she will make sure that I see that, and if, um, if, if I can, I will get to it. So that being said, if you are listening to an archive, obviously there's no chat, so it's not going to appear how many times you hit refresh. Um, so here we go. Let's get to the good stuff. Several months ago, I ran across this YouTube broadcaster, like I told you about, Chaos View, and it, he kind of got my attention on Twitter, and so I clicked over to check out you know, some video that he had posted that somehow ended up in my feed. And um, I kind of I didn't necessarily agree with the content or the co the content and the context of the particular video, and I don't remember which one it was, but I liked how it was put together. But I also liked that he didn't go to some crazy extreme fringe, because it's those fringes. Now sometimes those crazy extreme fringes may may ultimately be the truth, but when that's how you present everything then you are narrowing any potential audience you have and you're only talking to the choir. And what I saw him, you know, from him when I clicked on some other things is that he wasn't talking to any one choir. It was very diverse. And to me, that, that gets points. That's kudos. Um, and the initial videos that I had seen of his were related to the Oregon standoff case that I've done obviously a lot of coverage uh, of. And he was not 
doing shows that were claiming crisis actors and hoaxes and, and all the stuff, you know, that I typically talk about on the show. So, like I said, although I've not always really approved of or liked some of the stuff or the methods, I have completely appreciated the effort, his prolific effort at that, and his obvious, obvious tech abilities. And then also for me, there was kind of something else about him that I just kind of seemed to kind of innately understand without ever having known this guy, and that's that in some ways he's like me, and he understands that there's a societal problem that is equal to the governmental problem that we all that we're all facing, and we all you know grumble or bitch about or stand against uh, you know in one way or another, but you know it's like there's just too many people who want to think that things are okay, and or those that are completely blind to things outside of what their focus is or that they just want to not accept that it's both societal as well as governmental. It's not just one or the other. And it's those very distinct divisions and divides. It's like right and left, you know, Democrat, uh, Republican, you know, all those when you're, when, you're, when you're putting such very succinct labels on things, you cut out anything that can ever come to the middle, including the people involved. You can never get to the center to, the, to have something that's much closer to the truth. And I kind of got that impression from this guy. Now, we haven't had, uh, you know, the easiest uh, relationship, if you can call it that. I mean, I don't know. We've only recently actually started actually conversing, and that was when I asked him to be a guest on the show. Um, and just for people of speculation that's put out there, Chaos is a guest on my show tonight. We've not teamed up to do anything. It's just like any other guest on my show. He's not my co-host. He's not going to be my co-host, nor am I going to be his co-host. So just in case any of my regular listeners were wondering from the tweets out there earlier. But anyway, so here's the deal. There's nothing wrong with speaking out against the government or corporations or whatever. It's, it's about how you do it because – it is our absolute duty as American citizens to be aware and to participate in the process. But too often what we all do, and I was guilty of this in the past, and I've been guilty of it in some of the current times of different situations, is that we'll bitch about something that we didn't participate in to stop that something from happening to begin with. And then after it's a problem, after there's – overreaches happened, you know, under under our nose or, or whatever, then then we're upset, okay? And not everything is happening behind closed doors. There's plenty of stuff that's out there, just in the normal public realm for anybody to find. And none of us need to agree on all of the particulars of anything. They, they, we, you know, we don't. But we, we all do need to be able to recognize together that there is a problem. And that, that means my guests and myself as well. Sharing is not always caring. So regardless of what your parents taught you, I'm here to tell you and have been saying it for years, sharing is not always caring. Alternative media does not mean no agenda. Independent media does not mean it's truly independent. Okay, It's all very niche for people. And you need to move away from all the niche stuff to come to the center. So on that note, let's, uh, let me go ahead and get Chaos on with us so that we can you know, kind of have a real conversation here together. Mr. Chaos, you, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's nice, nice to be here. Well, it's about damn time. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so, it sure is. So, you know, there, there's there's a bit of an age gap between you and I, and I don't know if you want to give, like, your age uh, on the air, but I'm 48, and, um, 
you know, the age gap between us, you and I particularly, could kind of relate to what I was talking about in the opening show when I was talking about the year that, you know, text messaging began and, and Facebook and MySpace and YouTube and all of that. And so your entrance into those worlds is different than somebody my age. Um, not that you're some young sprout. I don't mean it that way, but <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, my opinions and thoughts on those things and the, and the timelines are going to be different than yours. So if you're, I don't know, again, I don't know if you're comfortable giving your age, but maybe if you can kind of speak on, let's just kind of start with what I open the show with, if you can kind of speak on, you know, that and what you thought when you first saw, you know, MySpace or YouTube and what your thoughts were to do something initially. Well, when I when I first saw MySpace, I, I thought it was like a, a great way to interact with other people around the world. And so, yeah, I obviously jumped on it. And at the time, um, you know, I was, I was, I'm a, I'm a musician. So right at the time I was really focused on that and I trying to, you know, get my music out and all that, um, as well as being very socially aware of the things that are happening in the country. So I had multiple MySpaces. And uh, when Facebook came out, I, I believe it was, what, 2004, but it didn't really go to, like, all public until, what, 2006 or so, something like that. But in 2004, I remember checking it out, but it was just for, like, colleges, I believe, if I'm correct. But I still joined it, and uh, it was really in its infancy, though. It's way different than it is now. But um, I definitely saw the value in it. But uh, as far as, like, um, did you want to go into 9-11 and how that impacted me and going into my space and all that? Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, um, because when 9-11 happened, there was no MySpace. There was no Facebook. There was no YouTube yet. Um, So I think it would be interesting, especially for you as a YouTube broadcaster, a lot of the conspiracy stuff you find on um, YouTube. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. (laughs) I say that, you know, everybody that knows me, the people that actually know me know this to be true. I'm just not an everything is a conspiracy conspiracy theorist. And I'm not a conspiracy pornographer. And I am not um, a hoaxer, you know. So anyways, if you if you kind of go back to, and again, you don't need to see your age. That's not why I keep repeating this. But think about the age that you were when 9-11 happened. Think about the actual event and the day of 9-11 happened. And let's say that at that time YouTube was there. What do you think you would have been at that point? What have you been putting out there? What would have, you know, would you have or would you have just gone and seen what other people were doing? How would you have used it if it was available right then? Yeah, if YouTube existed in 2001, I would have uh, I would have just been online watching as many videos as possible. I wouldn't be um, an, an author of any content at that point. Um, I, I definitely remember the day uh, of 9/11. I remember my aunt uh, woke me up and because she was terror terrorized by it, and uh, I remember going up and just wanting answers. And and I remember watching the news broadcast and having them having some like person that was claiming to be uh, I think CIA or something and we never heard from that person again and that would have been something I would definitely would have liked YouTube um, to have been around because I would have been able to find out you know who was that and find out what other people thought who that guy was that was you know basically pushing the narrative that day I don't know if you remember that but I do and I still have questions about that There's there's a lot of stuff that that is um, you know makes makes people question things. There's a lot of things, and technology has played a a really vital role. Technology itself and people's rush to use it has played a vital role 
in breeding conspiracies that aren't real, okay? Not not just helping conspiracies that are real, but in breeding conspiracies that aren't real. And, um, for instance, just recently there was a sign that was posted near Bundy, uh, online on Twitter, that was near Bundy Ranch, and it's a, a big uh, plot of land for sale, a big parcel of land for sale. And the name and number to call is scratched off. Now, the journalist that shared that, that says he took that picture, is somebody that's very credible. But then another journalist had pointed out just the mere fact that the number and name to call was scratched out is one of those small things that someone else can take and turn it into it's not real, um, you know, that it's not a real thing. And, and as a matter of fact, when we get to the liar of the week, we do have a liar of the week tonight, by the way, listeners. When we get to the liar of the week at the bottom of the hour, um, it kind of touches on this very thing. But that's with anything, with Photoshop, you know, and video editing thing. There's so much stuff you can do. You know, you can put anybody's face on anything. You can put anybody, you know, you can do anything now. And um, so... Can you imagine when 9-11 happened, what people's feelings were? Because most people, the overwhelming majority, including most people that consider themselves 9-11 truthers, no matter for how long, initially, for the most part, they all were, like, scared to death, like, oh, my God, you know, what's happening, you know, type thing. And so, I mean, so, I mean the truth is, is that people took to the Internet in a very profound way after 9-11. And all the studies have shown that most people were definitely news-seeking, but people that were already familiar with the Internet, that's when they actually started seeking news outside the regular platforms that they had been following. And I find that very interesting because they were no longer satisfied with status quo. They were seeking elsewhere, and the Internet was starting to offer it. And again, pre-Facebook and all of that. So. Yeah. You know, with the world exploding, you know, with all of this technology, it's very, very easy to see how how things, you know, come to be, how things are easily, you know, uh, passed around, disseminated or whatever. Would you, do you think that you would have been somebody that would have made something that you know I would consider like an extremist type opinion video at that time? Your your initial thoughts of, of what was happening? Um, no, I don't, but I, I believe what I would have done would be, I would have data collected as much as possible. And like it would have included all the obscurities that many have, um, eventually they did, they did make those videos. I've, I've seen a lot of videos on 9-11 where they didn't really, um, push a narrative or an agenda. They just, um, they put a lot of material together and let others, you know, decide or, decipher what that meant and I believe I would have been more like that if if YouTube had been around you know in 2001 and if I was making content that that's probably where I would have been I don't think I would have been making extremist videos you know saying you know you know going to the fringe either direction I don't think I would well, yeah, exactly. And and I think, like, for me, like, I wasn't doing anything that was, like, extreme uh, in, in the initial stages. It was it was after years of being, you know, in the 9-11 movement where I started, like, you know, getting edgier and edgier. But um, the, the, you know, when we're, when we're looking at technology, one of the things, you know, there's been studies at the yin-yang about, um, 
the emotions involved with social media and how it can potentially create more stress because of X, Y, and Z, and not just because of time wasted, but because of like like envy factors or you feel less than because of what you're seeing other people or, you know, all those different studies, but also emotional triggers like we've seen different um, when Facebook was doing the different tests that they have done um, to see reactions to this, that, and the other. A lot of people today think that that's all new stuff, but it's not the, 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 the entertainment and the, and the news. The media, the media entities have been doing this for decades and decades. I mean, they spend millions of dollars on studies about how to sell you <laughs> whatever product or service yeah. the advertisers are selling. And okay, um, sure so it's the exact same science and stuff, but now we have an ability to marry kind of all the medias together because the way that the medias work and the way that the mind works based on all these, you know, millions of studies and, and we see it our advertisers want to spend the money that they do. It does work if it's done right. And so social media now allows us to have the audio, the visual impression as well um, as the written word and, and everything that you would get from a billboard or a radio or a TV or anything like that. So it's um, it's interesting that that this this emotional impact that it has. Now that being said, marry that to you as a YouTube broadcaster. Um, would you agree that most of the things that people get really radical, you know, extreme kind of super conspiracy ridding are things that are of topics that are of an emotional basis? Something that is a, an, a, you know what I mean? Something that's real, like you know, 9/11 or pedophilia, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's something that the psyche can't really um, process um, at that time, and it, and it's allowed to fester. And because that happens, I believe that um, you know the conspiracies or or that kind of thinking begins to fester because it, it fills that the void, and so people will will make excuses or, or just go to that fringe immediately. It's a way of coping. That's, that's my opinion. Right. But sometimes our way of coping, because I think, you know, we don't, we have through social media. I think, I think initially um, when 9-11 first happened, I think there would probably be, if we had social media at right then at that time, social media as we know today, I think that there would be less of the garbage that's actually out there than there is now because we would have reacted, but our initial reactions as a majority was one of fear and concern and belief and everything, okay? So some people have bigger questions than others, but a lot of people still have just questions with regards to 9-11. And I think that the atmosphere would have been different and the contribution as a whole to the social media you know, soup out there that we have. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think it. W- I think it would have been different, but I think because what we had is we had a you know a few years, about half a decade or whatever of, um, well, not even half a decade. I'm sorry, like what three years, um, two three years between 9/11 happening and you know MySpace, Facebook, YouTube, and all of that stuff, and you know again before Twitter and all that. So we had all this brewing and. You know, at the time, there was a lot of people from all sides of the political equation that either had questions or were pissed off at the government about something. And that event just made whatever they were already pissed off about, like, boil back up in their throat. You know, you wow. know what I mean? Yeah, I remember at the time, 
I mean, William Cooper also died like right after 9-11. And so there was also another big void. And so there was more festering. And like, like you're saying, it was like a couple of years later, like, what was it, 2005? That's when YouTube really finally uh, opened up. And, and that's when we actually started getting the first videos too, right? The, uh, about 9-11, what loose change. Didn't the original version come out in 2005 as well? So I think so. I mean, yeah, so there was a there there was a um, it was like under the radar, I guess, because social media. I mean, what you had MySpace in two thousand three, and then you know Facebook in two thousand four, and then finally YouTube in two thousand five. I think it was all under the radar. It was festering, and there was people wanted answers, and you know they're probably going to message boards, like probably like I was at the time. But I mean, it was it was growing, and then finally when there was a a platform that could handle it, you know. It, everything you know synced up right where it probably would have uh probably would have left off if, yes. if, you know after a little bit of a while after 9-11 maybe a couple of months or whatever i don't know but it seemed like it still happened anyways just you know it wasn't immediate because the platforms weren't there for sure i know i know it's kind of funny for me when i was putting together the show and i was kind of looking at dates of when you know everything kind of started with different you know aspects of the internet and I started cracking up because when I was looking at when, you know, I, I wasn't big on MySpace. I initially created a MySpace account to spy on my children. I had children at home that were, you know, two teenage daughters at the time and then a younger son who were, you know, dabbling into MySpace, and I wanted to keep an eye on them, you know. But um, but I never used it or utilized it, and I only actually went and looked for that stuff, you know, with them. But Facebook, on the other hand, I um, I I whatever reason I liked it. It worked for me. It was something that I ended up utilizing as a tool as an activist. Um, but one thing that was hilarious to me putting together the show is it seemed like, well there's no way. If we didn't have Facebook and and all and YouTube and all of that when nine eleven happened, how was I doing all the things that I was doing online and then die, remember, because I myself had built online forums. Um, uh-huh. And it was that's what it was. It was forums and message, message boards at the time, and so yeah, it was it was it was a little uh, history revisit for me. So it was really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, before the, I go into were, the light, huh? Go I was going to say those message boards were a wealth of knowledge, from what I remember. Oh, I mean, yeah. they had, I mean, lots of opinions and lots of information. I mean, I I, I miss them because there's I mean there's I guess you can still find some good ones, but they've kind of uh, become like ghost towns in a lot of ways. <laughs> there, there's a, there's a, a great one, um, and I want to make sure I know the extension of it. I'm going to look it up. There, there's a really great – it's thefogbo.com. That's a really great um, message board there. Um, their forums there, I dig them. I, I don't get to spend a lot of time there because I'm really busy and I'm already kind of full up with social media in my time, but I do try to peek in there at least once a week and um, always some good stuff in there. Uh, and, the, you know, there's a, a, a lot of, um, like, legal experts in there. So it's, for me, it's like it's a great place to just kind of see people's thoughts and stuff on some things too. Uh, but really fun people all the way around. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be doing Liar of the Week soon. But before we get into Liar Week, I wanted to talk a little bit on um, what trolling is because I think you and I, I think, not just you and I, I think people as a whole, we all kind of have our own definition of what a troll is. And it frustrates me sometimes 
these definitions because, to me, most of them are wrong. I mean, there's a clear definition in my mind of what a troll is, regardless of what you – I mean, I, I found several definitions of it uh, that, that are all varying online, um, which only proves my point. So to you, when it comes to you, – you predominantly use YouTube and then, and then Twitter, but um, when, you know, what, what do you define as trolling or a troll? Online. I would def- I would define a troll as anyone who wants to eat up my time by either making ridiculous statements or making abusive statements or making ridiculous or abusive videos um, using my name and or and trying to uh, use my content to try to get a uh, reaction out of me. Furthermore, to just waste my time um, and use my name to garner their own uh, to stroke their own ego to gather a following of their own. Basically, they're like a user. A troll is a user, basically. That's how I see it. Okay, so that that is a really, really good definition of a troll. The problem I have with a lot of people is a lot of people will label someone a troll if they simply have a different opinion. Now, sometimes there are trolls that are specifically doing things for the exact reasons you just said. There are sometimes people are trolling to, you know, because they're, they begin getting frustrated because they can't get a straight answer out of somebody. And it's not that they're trolling, but they're like, you know, legitimately trying to have a conversation with somebody. But they're still labeled as a troll. And that wasn't so bad when we were just on forums and stuff. Now forums can be just as bad. But it goes back to we had a certain kind of etiquette initially, even though everybody was hiding behind their anonymity in the early days of, you know, the online forums and then social media, but they, you know, the there was still no real true anonymity, and yeah, there were still people and trolls and stuff like that that were assholes, but there was also people that were just a little bit more kind of on their toes, sitting up a little bit straighter, not to impress anybody, but because nobody knew the rules, you know what I mean? Now, people yeah. think there are no rules, Right. Exactly. They they think that someone gets a following that they can have a following or they can, uh, you know, leech off, you know, some of uh, um, that spotlight. I mean, as small as, you know, someone might be, um, they they want to get that attention. They, they want to feel special, I think, um, by getting some of that attention. And, uh, yeah, there is no etiquette. Whatever, whatever it takes, I believe that is their, uh, their uh, M.O. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce over. Hang tight, chaos. I'm gonna bounce over. It's time for liar of the week. Well, it's supposed to be time. The music is not firing off. <laughs> My internet. Here we go. In this vast land of the internet, of the world wide web and then beyond, the dark web and the, the red web, the green web, the yellow web, it's a rainbow web. <laughs> In this vast land of the internet, we, uh, anybody, like I said earlier, that you can Photoshop stuff, you can video edit, audio edit, you can do so much crap out there. You can make an email look real. You know, as somebody that's done a lot of different investigations on cases for a long time now, um, I've seen pretty much it all. Um, but what most people who think that they can pull something on over 
It, they make the simplest mistakes, the dumbest mistakes. And tonight our Liar of the Week is Sarah Redbuck. And Sarah Redbuck, if you paid any attention to the Oregon standoff or the Bundy Ranch cases, you have uh, been sure to hear, hear her name before. She's kind of the patriot prince, princess to, in, in some you know, aspects. She was kind of to a lot of people, and then there was a bunch of fallout over some personal stuff and yada, 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 uh, stuff I could really care less about. However, um, she posted... Uh, last night or today, she posted a, a post, and she says, look who I found on my flight to Portland. They said they will be my bodyguards this go-around, meaning going to Portland at the courthouse. Ha, ha. If they will come to the courtroom and witness, I will take them up on it. We need their help spreading the truth to the masses, meaning, you know, free these what they call political prisoners or their P3s. Now, she posts a picture of her it looks like her sitting in an airplane with pink earbuds on, but just her, very tight, close-in, headshot-type photo, right? And she marries it with a picture of a bunch of black guys, a bunch of African-American guys uh, on the flight, all leaning in for this group picture that she's not in. And she's claiming that these guys were there. So the first thing was, is, well, where's the pictures of you and them? That was the first thing that caught my eye. Then the quality of the pictures themselves, it's obviously different cameras that those were taken in. That was the second thing that caught my eye. So that was enough to make me go and do a reverse image search, which apparently these people don't understand how that works, and it takes like seconds. And that image that she used is from a flight to Johannesburg from last July, a year ago, okay, for the MTV African Music Awards. And it's a whole bunch of different African-American music artists in this photo and their handlers, managers, people, and stuff like that. And Sarah Redbuck was not even on the flight. Sarah Redbuck never met these people. So there's a lot of different things wrong with this. One, why is she saying an outright lie, you know, about these people? Two, why is she saying she's on a flight to Portland when she wasn't? And then three, um, you know... <laughs> The fact that she takes a picture of a bunch of African-American men and she says that they're going to be her new bodyguards, I mean, that seems a lot very racist, not only to me, but a whole lot of people. There's been a whole lot of chirping on Twitter and elsewhere in social media about that very sentiment upon them seeing her post. Um, and I had no idea about her post until somebody had sent it to me, but when I saw it, that was my initial thought, too, was like, what the hell? Now, it's funny because, you know, after doing the reverse image search, I put together a quick little article for Liar of the Week about it, and she got wind of it pretty quick because I sent it to her sister <laughs> who had liked it and commented on the page, as well as a couple others, but there was a whole bunch of people. Uh, I got the idea because a whole bunch of people, uh, I heard, I saw them tweeting and posting about that they were going to send it uh, to the people they had commented. And um, so, however, she realized that I had written the, her as the Liar of the Week. Good, because nothing's a secret. Everything I do is public, lady. Um, so the thing is, is that she goes on this this thing right away, and she takes the post down, okay? She takes the post down, and she puts up a new post. And she says, I've received clearance, I've received clearance, clearance to post this and delete my other post. I was not able to attend the court hearing today on purpose. My attorney needed to be there without me in order to look into a few other things, and he needed a public post and everyone, in quotes, to believe that I was on my way there as well in order to do so. My heart is with everyone there. I pray that God will uplift those who are hurting at this time and that the judge can see clearly and her heart may be softened. Okay, 
First of all, Sarah Rudbuck claims that she has this attorney. Now, I don't know if this is her attorney for her dental teeth whitening thing or whatever her dental thing is that she does, or if this is some personal attorney she has, or if this is the attorney that her family used way back in the, the day with her uncle and the whole artifacts thing, or whatever this is, okay? But it's not an attorney that's attached to the Oregon standoff for the Bundy Ranch cases, okay? So she doesn't make that clear to anybody. She makes it sound, she makes herself sound extremely important in the legal sense and every other's sense to this case. And when her only real tie to any of it is that she inserted herself into this, just like many people have. Um, and so this, first of all, why, uh, why would any attorney tell their client to lie and make a public post? Uh, especially an attorney that has nothing to do with the case to which she's flying into. I mean, it's all a bunch of baloney, but of course, of course, her followers, they all take that and they don't, none of them question her on the lie. None of them, they just take it hook, line, and sinker. That's a whole cult mentality that I talk about all the time. Please make sure that you check out the archives for the Rise of the Modern Cult series. Um, a lot of that is addressed in there. But you know what? Shame on you, Sarah Redbuck. You are the liar of the week on challenging the rhetoric. So, Chaos, I, I want to make one comment, and I know I talk a lot on my show, but, you know, it's my show. I can say that I've heard you talk more on this show than I've heard you talk on any of your shows. <laughs> already, already, and we're, you know, That's we're good. not even through the show. <laughs> so That's I'm going to give you the floor a minute, and I'm wondering if you can maybe help, um, because there's reasons that you don't like and use Facebook and stuff like that, and you use certain other ones of your choosing. And because you and I are kind of opposites on that, I thought maybe you can explain to the listeners what it is about YouTube that you like, what it is about other social media and why you don't use them, um, and how, you know, if, if anything, trolling ha plays into any of those decisions or what specifically, you know, plays into that. And do you think that an actual loyal fan base um, is being able to be derived from omitting any of them? Well, what I originally liked about YouTube was the variety and the uh, – massive quantity of the content um but with that massive quantity you have a, you have a lacking of quality in my opinion um i mean a lot of it sounds good a lot of it seems like it's reasonable but when you actually um if you research the actual content that's being discussed a lot of times you'll find it severely lacking and you'll basically need to do your own research um, and that is one of the main reasons why I decided to even create my current channel. Um, as far as like Facebook and why I don't do Facebook, um, I was always under the understanding that it was like a, a, a data mining operation. Basically, you are required to give your real information to have an account, and then you can create pages that don't, you know, that can be um, used for any purpose, but that that actual account you have to actually put your real information or something that resembles real information and like some of the features of Facebook I don't like like the events feature where it actually shows um, everyone who is interested everyone who's invited everyone who's accepted the invitation and it shows everyone's account shows their real name so um, that could be really used by government easily to um, case out and feature events and see who's actually going to show up 
Um, it can uh, be used to supplement um, profiles that already exist by government uh, agencies. Uh, and so that's why I don't like Facebook. Is um, Twitter, I kind of like Twitter in the aspect that you can um, tag things easily and you can organize your tweets that way. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's what, 140 characters or less, and it, it doesn't re really require a lot of my time. There's not a lot of interaction that needs to take place there. It's more to um, share the content that um, I use on social media. Like, so if I'm going to create, like, uh, you know, YouTube videos or whatever, I can, you know, easily share that to uh, Twitter and, uh, you know, put it in its categories through hashtags and stuff like that. Um, that's basically just a Do you find um, do you find with YouTube that you're are are you finding real quality out there as you're searching, or are you searching through a lot of muck before you find quality? And as far as far as content that you search for, and then as far as interaction and engagement that you get on your page and on your videos, um, and as well as like people that may share them or mirror them, are you finding it something like? You know, uh, there, there's been uh, ever since a certain handful of people heard that you're going to be on my show. I'm not quite sure what the what the issue is, but um, you know, there's been uh, this rumor flying around that somehow you were you were quitting YouTube. Now I know that's not the case um, because I've never seen you put anything out there like that. You've not certainly not said anything like that to me. But kind of along those lines, are you starting to see at any point, or have you begun to see somewhere along the way the downfalls of YouTube? Oh, I've definitely, I've definitely seen the downfalls of YouTube um, due to uh, trolling, you know, then you have the cyber stalking, and then you have, uh, I don't even want to call them trolls. I don't, I don't know what they are exactly, but they're basically, the best way to describe them are, I guess, the hoaxers and the people who think everything's a psyop. And basically, but the reason I don't call them trolls is because they're really pushing a the narrative. They want to silence people. Um, they they either want you to uh, join in on their narrative, or they want you to shut up completely, and they'll they're willing to destroy your channel. They're willing to um, cyber stalk, and then there's gang stalking, where you know they all collude together and they either start reporting a lot of your videos or whatever like that. And no, I don't have any plans on quitting YouTube, but I do want to expand my reach and to explore other platforms, like you know. Uh, I'm, I'm always looking to do that. You know, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. I mean, that's, you should never do that in life in general. But, uh, so I am looking for other, you know, other platforms to, um, put, provide content, you know, and I would always stay on YouTube. I mean, you don't leave YouTube, but I would, I would, uh, you know, always try to, uh, any content that I made anywhere else, I would try to, you know, put on YouTube as well. Um, as far as making YouTube the main platform, maybe it wouldn't always be the main platform. Maybe it would just be, you know, like um, parallel with other platforms. So I would just get around. But, um, but most definitely I'm seeing, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a huge, in my mind, it's like a backlash from YouTube. And it's like, it's really, and it didn't, it, I didn't really see it until I started making content. I've been on YouTube for years. I've, I've been a viewer of content, you know, different categories, but also um, the alternative media. And uh, it wasn't until I actually 
got in the ring, so to speak, that I realized how bad it was because you don't you don't really experience it until you start making content. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's funny because for me, I mean, I only use YouTube to to put archives there because some people just prefer to listen that way to an archive or to share um, that way. But um, in general. Uh, you know, I, I always simply go to YouTube if, YouTube if I'm looking for something, um, you know, specific to an event or something like that, but mostly for music, you know. And, um, <laughs> I mean, because it's like it's digging through the riffraff of everything just really isn't worth it in the end. Um, and so for me, but, but here's what's problematic about it is I know, based on, you know, talking to you over the last couple of days, I know that, you know, you want to evolve and grow what you're doing and, and stuff like that. And I think that anybody that does, you know, what what we do, you know, that's part of their goal. And um, I don't know that a lot of my listeners actually know this, but I, my, my, my umbrella company is called Cherry Speak Media. And one of the things that I do is I have a whole series called Boot Camps for Bloggers. And it's not just for bloggers, but I teach people how to use the blogging platforms to create real websites for whatever it is that they need, but also teach them how to do it, whether it's for just their individual thing, for a hobby or a cause, or whether it's a business, um, and how to use social media. I also teach a, a boot camp that is citizen journalism and uh, all about how to get an actual real recognized press pass versus the phony baloney make one myself type one that a lot of people do. <laughs> um, and so with the boot camps, it's been really kind of interesting to me because most people, even people that use social media, they don't really understand the differences in social media and, and that you need to use each one different. And I kind of usually say that, um, you know, Twitter is like your sign to the yard cell. <laughs> okay, LinkedIn, <laughs> the business one, that's your classified ad. LinkedIn's your classified ad, all right? And then Twitter is the sign on the quarter, you know, directing people to the yard cell. And then Facebook is the yard cell itself. That's where you kind of, you know, negotiate and dicker and stuff. And so, um, you know, where does YouTube fit into that? I would see that that would be more like it would fall more in line although it's not a business entity, you know, platform like LinkedIn, but I think it would fall in more in line as far as the proper way to use it. it would be more like a classified ad. Now, I'm not saying make videos that are ads, but I'm saying that approach the idea of the usage in that way as far as producing content. Again, not creating ads, but realizing that that's that type of captured attention in that sense. And so, again, there's all these kind of differences in how to use it. So now I had to learn a long time ago. It's only been a couple of years or so that I've been on Twitter. I mean, I hated Twitter. <laughs> I hated the name Twitter and that people had to tweet. I thought it was like it just sounded ridiculous, and I thought that somebody called it that just to make people say something silly and say, oh, I tweeted this, you know. Um, uh -huh. You know, I think, and I do, I think that people do do stuff. I don't know that the people that created Twitter did that, but I think that people do do stuff and name things certain things just because it's silly and they, they get off on making other people get attached to it. But, um, well, the, silly, you know, the, the sillier things are, you remember it, you know, like Google. Like, well, that's say, well, true. You Google it, go Google it, you know, and that was a big uh, thing for people because they it was it sounds really stupid but then you remember stupid things like you know go tweet you know well, what's that you know so i mean I, yeah. I i remember having conversations with people about that kind of thing that's what we gathered basically <laughs> 
Yeah, well, no, true. Uh, but I, I also think that whatever social media we start with and, and gravitate, gravitate to first, um, I think it's uh, usually what we end up kind of being married to, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I think that we understand it better. We we tend to keep going back to it. It's, it's our, our comfort zone. And for me, that was Facebook. That was the first, as what we know, social media platforms. That was the first social media platform that that I, I understood it. I liked the functionality of it um, and stuff like that. Now, for you, you and I kind of went into it in different mindsets. I've always used my real face and my real name for the, everything that I've done online. And so it's always kind of funny to me, people that are so worried about anonymity, especially you know, in light of, I mean, Ed Snowden wasn't the first person that told us the NSA was spying on us. We knew that, you know, that came out when George Bush, George W. was president. Um, Ed Snowden just made it extremely undeniable with the documents and all of that. And so we know that these are things that, that, that are done. And I, you know, I'm well on the record. I'm always telling people all the time, what are you hiding? Who are you hiding from? <laughs> really, you know, who are you hiding from? Um, you know, you're, you're worried they're going to collect your data. They're going to collect your data no matter what your platform is. Um, I mean, you, you know, video data um, and stuff has its own imprints and stuff that are just as traceable as Facebook, you know. And Talk about metadata, so, metadata. <laughs> well, yeah, not, yeah, exactly. But, for instance, a lot of people don't know this, but um, – People, you know, when people type out some, like, ransom note or some shit like that or some, you know, letter, the nefarious letter that they send, you can even trace just a printer, okay? You can trace a printer to the brand, okay, to the brand, and which will trace it to where it's sold. And, and I mean, it just, it's not even a big, long, hard process on some of these things. And that was before we had the Internet you know, to the way that we have now with the social media. So the paranoia that's there is self-bred. And I'm not saying just you. I'm saying overwhelmingly it's self-bred. There are people that aren't paranoid about the government, but they're still paranoid that, oh, somebody's going to see this, somebody's going to see that. And, yeah, we need to be diligent in all that we do online. But at the same time, we have to realize that there there really is, you know, <laughs> as far as the government looking at us, that transparency for them okay, for them looking, has been there long before we even knew it in most of these ways. So if that's completely off the table, then what stops people? What continues to breed that paranoia? It can only be self-driven, you know, whether it's by memes or people claiming to be reporters or people claiming to be journalists who never actually journal, you know, <laughs> um, yeah. and, and that sort of thing. So um, I, we're getting ready to wind down. So I would like it if you want to take a couple minutes here and just kind of talk about, you know, some of the things that you're recognizing in social media, and, it, you know, it can be about any of the topics with regards to how social media plays into, into stuff. I myself believe that we're losing community um, and we're losing humanity. Um, so I don't know if, all of those, if either of those, like, really, you know, resonate with you, but you got the floor. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I've noticed, and I've, I've noticed it probably in the last two months just because um, of my circumstances, is the amount of uh, harassing and trolling of, of women versus men. And what I've noticed is how vile, how much more vile it is against women. <laughs> um, their entire identity is stripped away from them. And, and it's, it's, it's through a method. It's, it's to break them down to where 
they're seen only as women, and then they use a template to just destroy them. It's always the same template. So any kind of accolades, any kind of any kind of individual individuality um, about them is taken away, and then they're attacked. And you know, it's through you know sexual attack, you know harassment, um, you know threats, you know death threats, or uh, you know other kind of sexual threats. And um, I was actually researching this a little bit just to see. And there was a, a recent report that said um, it was conducted in Australia, and it said that uh, over 50% of women um, had reported online harassment, you know, either, either sexual harassment, death threats, or um, rape threats. And comparing that to men, it was half that. And so, and it, it, co- it correlated to a, an earlier study where it said that 36% of women and, and 25% of men. But this later study also said that women under 30, 76% had actually experienced that. So as far as gender, you know, gender differences, it's like cyber stalking, um, the cyber bullying, it's way worse for women, way worse. I found that interesting. And, you know, past two months, I've actually witnessed that, um, you know, working with people. So I, I, <laughs> I I just I found that very disgusting honestly. So Yeah, it's well, I was going to say that you you've seen and I'll give you the floor back but you you've seen much more of the stuff that they've made and created and said about me than I even have and I've seen quite a bit. Um so yeah. I mean I know and and I know that you had an experience with somebody uh that's relatively close to you as well and it happening to her, and I've seen it happen to a lot of people. Now, for me, I think the reason it didn't affect me and get the the response that the people that created the stuff wanted from me is because this isn't my first rodeo. I've I've gone through this with other stories, you know, that are just as big in their own ways, you know, at different times over the years. And so I've gone through the attacks. I've gone through the phony, you know, Twitter or, or Facebook or YouTube crap. I've gone through you know, being doxxed, you know, that's why I created Cherry Speak, you know, everything good, bad, and ugly, you know, um, I've been doxxed, you know, multiple times, you know, so it's, there, there really isn't anything, I mean, they can try to continue to, I mean, it was funny when they, you know, shared my secret erotic poetry book with, that was my secret, I mean, I, I, I put it out there all the time because I hope to fucking sell it, excuse my language, but, <laughs> you know, this is a rated R show tonight, by the way, in case anybody wants to call me on that. Usually I do PG-13. But anyways, um, you know, I mean, it's like they're, they're just, there's no really gotcha, aha moments at, at that. And, and you know, I've done things in my life I'm not proud of, but I stand here proud today of everything that I'm doing and because I'm a very honest person. But... Um, so when you're talking about, like, these attacks on women and you're talking, one of the things to make sure that the listener is clear of, is, you know, are clear about is that attacks that are directed at women particularly almost always immediately, if not initially, but even usually initially, are all have some kind of sexual overtone to it. Um, it's completely different than how men are attacked, and it's it's a very interesting dynamic the the more that we've had you know the 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 trump campaign the more that we've had things like that the more that we've had things in the mentality like i talked about in rise of the modern cult um more and more type misogyny comes out it doesn't mean that we have more misogyny in the country what it means is that the internet technology devices all of it social media has enabled people to you know um proffer it up 
you know, much more prolifically, and they do. You know, the loudest voices are usually the ones that are doing something wrong. Um, go ahead, Cass. Well, I was also going to go ahead and talk, just touch a little bit about community and uh, basically how social media has made us all lazy as far as how we interact with people or how most people interact with people. Um, they don't have to leave the house. They don't have to do anything. They only have to get dressed. They can just you know, stay in their pajamas or whatever. And so you have a bunch of recluses um, basically speaking out, which in normal like society, they, they would just stay home. They wouldn't be, um, you know, interacting. And so they don't have a lot of the same social skills to begin with. And so when they go out to social media, they have the same uh, equal playing field as everyone else. And so not only do you have people just uh, um, kind of like having liquid courage online because there's like, there's nothing to uh, um, back really in real life. Um, basically it just, it just breeds, it's a breeding ground for uh, uh, basically vulgar comments and just people attacking and not dehumanizing everyone basically. Yeah, that really is what it is. It's about trying to dehumanize because so long as they don't have to look at you as a, as a flesh and blood human being and have any sort of care uh, towards you, then, you know, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Um, and not just in what they're doing to you, to you whoever that is, or, or that you're doing to somebody with the, with the bullying and the gang stalking and stuff. It's also um, what you're inciting and we have you know those paying attention to Oregon standoff and stuff we got a whole lot of people you know spend a lot of time in prison for that very charge inciting I mean there are people that made videos and said so and so I went to the refuge because of so and so's show or so and so's post or whatever that's inciting that's that's right there is proof positive that people follow um, most people are followers and there's a lot of people out there that think that they're leading or that they're somehow leaders but they're not leading they're feeding they're feeding into the problem um, Chaos, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. Uh, like I said, it's about time, and I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we can do this again sometime soon because I think that this is a, a really important topic and we only kind of got to scratch the surface here. But, again, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it was nice. great. All right, so caring means a lot of things, including what we put out there for the world and what we subject ourselves to from the world. How much do you really care? You need to start showing it in what you do online as well, not just what you do face-to-face -face with, pe with people in your, day in your day today. Words have power, and those who seek only to confirm their biases are the very ones who stop seeking real truth. Those are the ones who isolate themselves by ideology, right or wrong, it doesn't matter. Those are the ones who become susceptible the most to those that have different agendas. And when they do that, they become the very curators and, and the creators of that propaganda that they say, that they keep claiming they're fighting against. That lockstep that they fight against is the very lockstep that they're walking for whatever leader of the month or the week or the day. And inevitably, that's what trips them up in the end. Propaganda goes both ways. It's up to each of you to take responsibility for the propaganda that you participate in, whether you create it, share it, like it, pass it on in some other way you are just as responsible for the person who put it out there. If you missed part of tonight's show or any of the other shows, you can find the archives on Blog Talk Radio, Podbean, or on the website at Challenging Rhetoric, not news. And don't forget to check out The Rise of the Modern Cult while you're there. It's really a great little series. Part one and two is there. Part three, I know I promised it last week, but I've actually been quite ill this week. It will be up and running. And speaking of quite ill, I'm not going to be dying every day like some of the other rumors that have been passing around. Uh, if you like what I'm doing, please share my work. I share the shows that I produce. 
share the articles that I write, share the pages that I create. And if you really want to show your love for the show and all my hard work and you want to help sustain everything, my PayPal link's available on the website. Every little tiny bit is great. I'm, I'm grateful for I appreciate it. I'm going to be back live next Wednesday for sure at 6 p.m. Pacific, and I might do something between now and there. You never know with me. Until then, be kind to one another, uh, whether it's their ideas or their thoughts or their beliefs. It makes no difference what it is. Be open to people. Be open to the ideas. Challenge your own rhetoric. Step away from those edges of extreme. I did. You can do it too. That's it for me tonight. Thanks for listening. <laughs>